Hey, welcome to the Botcast Podcast. My name is Don. I just turned the metronome off, but it looks like everything is recording as it's supposed to. Um, so over here, uh, to my right, I'm Scott, and I don't think we had the <laughs> intro music today, right? No, we'll have it like in post. Oh, I just, we will. Okay, just yeah. kidding. How did I turn off the? So then you all can pretend that I didn't really say that. Uh, there's the button. No, wrong button. Okay. So Don um, got a new toy. And no, no, no. It's an old toy. Oh, old toy. I've had it for a while. I've wanted to do this for a while, but I just haven't had a chance. It's like um, you have like eight kids and no time. Well, and there's there's a fair bit of money I had to put into it too. Okay. I had to buy some proprietary cables. Oh. And I had to find where they were, and then I had to buy them, and they were more expensive than I wanted them to be. Oh, no. But that's okay, because I wanted to try it, so I don't care. So with that, we've got a little bit more technical. Dig- uh, I can talk. A little, a few more technical difficulties than we'd normally have. Right. Well, you know, potentially. I guess I can't make any changes on the fly right now, but I'll have to check in to see how to do that later. But hey, right now it's working, so we're gonna go until it dies. All right. <clears throat> so as normal, I had to cough to begin, but uh, and I don't even know where the time loop is um, to tell me how long we're doing this for so we started at 646 ish yeah five ish yeah oh now you, you know, know what time we do this at um, um you know what i'm just gonna put on a timer on my phone okay and we'll kind of watch it from there and then i'll <laughs> i will go back and learn how to use this software um, <laughs> <laughs> um there we go That'll work. And then I'll forget about it. I won't check it and whatever else will happen. Okay. So, hey, we're the Botcash Podcast, and you got to uh, hear us babble about what the heck I'm doing here. Once again, we're trying different software. Um, oh, that's it. Okay. That's yeah, it. that's outside. I was like, oh, neighbor. no, something broke. Um, and we're trying a different hardware setup. And I tried it out at home quickly, and I was like, oh, it works. And I didn't like really get into the nuances of it. So, we've had a couple of... Uh, False starts, but I think we're good to go now. So when he said once again, um, once again might not mean this specific uh, recording, but on one of the previous tries. Yeah. Wait, what? Uh, well, you said um, once again, like you had already said that, and I think you said it before. Oh. So for once know. again for them isn't once again for us. You know what's hilarious? It's like a deja vu thing or something. There we go. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> deja. So once again, deja vu. I have to do my thing because i can't breathe through my nose he's got all kinds it's of allergies spring in ohio mm-hmm. lots of allergies uh, and finally warm outside well yeah warm outside uh warmish it's 60 something i'm good with that yeah oh oh I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really good with that yeah earlier this month i was in minnesota where it was like single digit highs oh my gosh thing, so yeah i don't ever like single digit highs no and most of the time, if we have a cold day, it's like single digit highs and it's like the negatives and, and whatever. And then they call a cold day. I still have to go to school. <laughs> Students get a snow day. So not fair. Yeah. I, uh, I don't work in public education, so I have to go <laughs> uh, regardless. I mean, I can work from home, but nothing, let's face it, nothing's getting happened. I have a lot of kids and a family and if they're snow dayed and I'm snow dayed, I get that. It doesn't, it doesn't work. So, so. but enough of that bad S word. Right. Um, speaking of which, hopefully... Maybe I should have put it at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a uh, potentially explicit uh, one because we are going to be talking about some uh, 
sensitive biblical information in Deuteronomy. And there could be some euphemisms that we're going to try and uh, explain a little bit, and we're going to do it as tactfully as we can. But just if you got little kids listening, you might want to uh, tell them, hey, not this one. But there's like... <laughs> three in a row and then you get to bring them back for one and then you got to tell them to go away for a minute but we will uh once again we try and do it as tactfully and family friendly as we can but we don't know what kind of conversations you've had with your kids Mm -hmm. and who knows what kind of conversations we have when we really because it's not like we have the scripted right (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh, we we ought to do a like a Bakash after dark, kind of like, <laughs> like where we have like all the explicit ones. Like we'll do, we'll do like the explicit Bible contextual uh, podcast. <laughs> well, it's just one of those like I think of our culture, and you have like a, an after dark at the end of the title, and you're like, ooh, oh, dude, we'll get more listeners. <laughs> what are you gonna get into that? Hey, and we're like, well, in Deuteronomy, it did, says. Did your wife tell you that she texted me asking for our numbers? No, did she? Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe I should have sold you out. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, I told her. Oh, okay. I, I told her what our, our numbers were. Per she episode. hasn't told me because I was like, I don't want to know what our numbers are. So I'm disappointed in our listeners. Um, what happened November 2018? What's up with that? What, what's up with only uh, 27 downloads, people? Oh, wow. They, man. I oh, mean, wow. we, pi- we picked up considerably <laughs> since then, but. Oh, okay. What was going on in November? So, Why so are you we all went- so busy? Come on, you got like Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving and yeah, what uh, people don't go to work during that time. What worries me a little bit is those were like the special Passover ones. Oh. And I was wondering if, I, oh, they broke the cycle. I'm not going to listen. Okay. Kinda. I don't know. So let us know, uh, at outlook.com. Okay. And tell us why November was a rough month for you. Of course, you're not going to get this until like the following <laughs> November. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you get this at any time, let us know. What What's up? Okay. You guys don't like Passover? You bunch of... Uh, well, Passover is only a couple weeks away. That's true. So maybe they're just Real. saving it for... Maybe they're just saving it. Yeah, they're waiting for their Seder. Uh-huh. Like, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'll tell myself. Because they want to get deep into that. Yeah. All right. So with that, um, I guess let's get into Deuteronomy 25. Uh, and I think we're starting from the beginning. Um, yeah, very, very so first verse. let's go. Um, oh, we didn't, we didn't talk about this beforehand. We didn't Sorry. talk about oh. how to break it up. Well, let's go for it. So I think we're going to go one through three. Um, so chapter 25, one through three. And then we'll get into um, verse four. And then maybe a five through ten. And then we'll go from there. Sound like a plan? Yes. I'm opening my... I My commentary has the text, but it's the... Uh, uh, nearly inspired version. Okay, that's fair. That's and, fair. Uh, I have found that there are some considerable differences, so I'm just opening the app to get the elect standard version. All right. Also known as the English yes. standard version. <laughs> um, just to, uh, that way I can have it all. Okay. Fire right. in the hole. So with that, um, chapter 25 of Deuteronomy, verse 1 through 3. If there is a dispute between men and they come into court and the judge decide between them, acquitting the innocent and condemning the guilty, then if the guilty man deserves to be beaten, the judge shall cause him to lie down and be beaten in his presence with a number of stripes in proportion to his offense. Forty stripes may be given him, but not more, lest if one should go on to beat him with more stripes than these, your brothers be degraded in your sight. Yeah. All right. 
beat those criminals up. Sounds good. So what do we uh, what do we got here? Um, we got criminals getting themselves beat. We we uh, yeah definitely. Um, this is a what do you call it? My head just like completely was like <laughs> criminal. Um, <laughs> this this is a punishment for crimes, and it is thought that these are obviously more severe crimes. Uh, typically ones that, um, well, do you have any of the Levitical laws that demand flogging? I don't. Um, when I was reading through some of the commentaries, um, I think in America we're used to this idea of imprisonment. Um, and imprisonment really wasn't necessarily a prescribed offense for anything in the law. Right. Um, most of the time it was like, um, Physical punishment, so beating, um, probably with a rod or a whip. I got death penalty. Restitution, um, so that would be the restoration of something that was lost or stolen, um, and then you have to compensate for that or compensation for an injury. Um, slavery. Uh, so those were kind of the the main punishments that I could find, but nothing really was in, imprisonment, and so this seems to be one of the um, possibilities of, of a punishment for a crime. Yeah, the uh, the Hebrew down here, and it's a phrase that I cannot pronounce. I can't even fake it. Is Dick you Harris something or other? Um, which is the idea from that phrase is often used uh, when there is a wickedness, evil intent, or injustice against God or persons. Um, the antonym for it is another Hebrew word that I can't pronounce. Sudoku, Sudoku, I don't know, um, which means to act righteously. Uh, so, this is a punishment that is often uh, reserved for evil thoughts, words, or deeds that are uh, contrary to God's character and hostile to the surrounding community. Hmm. So these are these are punishments for um, like basically some of the the meanest stuff you can come up with. Okay. Um, it's not necessarily like a, a loss of life or limb kind of thing, but it's definitely um, somebody that might be planning like an insurrection or uh, um, maybe somebody is, uh, you know, slandering people or something that could be tearing down the community. Um, maybe somebody is telling lies, bearing false witness would probably fall under this. Um, but it's not so much a like they stole the bread, cut off the hand, or it's not like the restorative like you have to restore plus extra or anything like that. It's it's more of a uh, uh, a rebellion, I guess, against the community is a way to look at a reason to beat somebody. Okay. Okay. Or to demand the lashes. And and it's one of those that sometimes we we look at all oh, this physical punishment. We're like, oh, we're, we're we have a sophisticated system of law here in two thousand and nineteen, and and so obviously, you know, Old Testament that's old school. But but they're actually, in all honesty, the the way they had their court system and the way it set up actually wasn't necessarily that bad. Um, I mean, they had a prof- proper trial. So if you look at verse one, um, it says they came into a court and the judge would decide between them. Um, there would be the opportunity if, if, um, for the innocent to be acquitted, um, the guilty to be or the guilty to be condemned. Um, so there was a um, a guilty or, or not so guilty verdict. Um, it would be in the presence of a judge. Um, the punishment w- would have to fit the crime. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look at, uh, let's see the wording in verse, 
Um, and the guilty may deserve to be beaten. The judge shall cause him to lie down and be beaten to the, in the presence with a number of stripes in proportion to his offense. Right. So it's not just like, all right, here's 40. I mean, they really thought through the, the punishment and does the punishment fit the crime. Did you, did you read, did Christopher Wright say anything about, um, how they adjusted the number down to 39 in case... Uh, the guy doing the flogging lost count. No, he, I didn't. He didn't. Yeah, that was one of the Very things that Grisanti pointed out was uh, that it, that later on, by the New Testament time, the lashes went down to thirty nine, just in case there was a mistake. So there was room for uh, either you got off mercifully with one less or uh-huh. two less, uh, depending on how they counted. And he, he did mention though that forty was like the max sentence. Yeah. So it's not even like every well, time would be a forty. It says the forty was the max. Yeah. Right. Um, so that was the max sentence, but, but a lot of times that that would not necessarily be the number they got, um, where sometimes it would be less. So it's one of those that, that it was that idea of, of, you know, stripes that would be proportionate with the offense or the crime that was committed. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, and we even talked about it in some earlier verses where they would do an investigation, they'd have find evidence, they'd get witnesses. So it's not like they would just randomly throw out punishments for no reason. I mean, they, they... They thought through their justice system. I think a lot of times you look at something that looks like it came from, uh, you know, early colonial times, 17, 1800s America, and Mm -hmm. you think like, you know, automatically they've like drugged the person out to the center of town and some guy in a puffy wig is like, no need for evidence, burn the witch, you know, kind (laughs) of like 40 lashes for her, you know, and you get this picture in your head of a, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, barbaric. Or yeah, bar- yeah, that's a good. Ma- maybe not even barbaric, but uh, what's that idea where where it's before your time is insuff- un, um, what's well, like in, it's not, not sophisticated or yeah, you know, like oh my whole, gosh, they're just not sophisticated yet. Yes, yeah, the I chronological mean, snobbery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think like or even medieval, you think like um, they just didn't know better. Yeah, you think like oh, evil king, whoever is gonna take Mel Gibson and tie him up, and it's gonna be all Braveheart without any uh, due process. But yeah, like you said, this is actually set up. There's there's a, quite an extensive law, and we've seen um, some of the neighboring. Uh, nations have already started to work laws, and if you compare like the like Hammurabi's code and stuff like that versus um, the actual law, you do see some similarities, but you see a, a lot more concern for justice uh, prevailing in the Israelite code. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, don't don't get on your high and mighty horse like oh they took him and beat him with canes and just remember like in you know uh, certain Asian countries like I believe South Korea is one of them they still cane people mm-hmm. like you know it's not it's not unheard of just because we have prisons where we don't think anybody ever gets beaten unjustly in prison right. That or, was my tongue in cheek. Or treated unfairly, or <laughs> yeah. you know, the guards are like, oh, maybe not, or you yeah, know, we'll turn our heads while you beat that person down, you know. Right. So don't you know, get off your high horse. <laughs> um, and quit thinking these are just a bunch of barbarians out there, you know, acting crazy you know, and acting a fool and beating people for no reason. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think that's really all I have for. Um, for verse one through three, uh, there there's a couple of things that I found that were kind of cool. Might just be one I'm double checking, but um, the word degraded there, just like doing that whole 
if you take that word study a little deeper, and I did not do the word study. Thankfully, my commentator did it for me. Oh, nice. Uh, That's even better. Actually means to make a person light or insignificant like dust. Hmm. So that you did not want to degrade them. You did not want to make them insignificant. And um, like the, excuse me, I got to get rid of the allergies. <coughs> yeah. That makes for good podcasting. Um you didn't want to make a person light or insignificant. You wanted to continue to give them respect. Um, uh, even if there's, uh, I don't understand what my note says from the respect, even in punishment. Oh, um, even when you're doling out a punishment, um, there's still a human behind it. And the goal is still restoration Mm -hmm. and to degrade somebody and to basically say they don't matter to the community anymore is just as big of an offense uh, it, to to God as the person that actually went out and did the sin, so it was not your place to uh, blot them out, right. pretty much. Okay. I thought I had the word "blot them out" in there. Oh, that's later. That's a different note for a different section. Oh, okay. So we will hear the word "blot them out." Yes. Um, sometime again throughout this podcast. Remember, we were talking about how you didn't review what you thought you reviewed. Uh huh. Yeah, I reviewed it, but now I just have it all out of order. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so go ahead if you want to read, what, verse 4? Verse 4. Okay. So chapter 25, verse 4 says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. Yay! (laughs) Not far at all. (laughs) And here we got some good New Testament stuff here. We got some Paul uh, thrown into here. That guy. Uh, Yes, Paul. So he uh, did some Old Testament. uh, He knew some of his Old Testament, I think. Paul, yeah, he might have had a little bit of a, you know, background in it, being a Pharisee and all. So Christopher Wright, I'm going to read exactly what he had, because sometimes we get into um, some of the older, uh, you know, like the muzzling ox type stuff. You're like, what the heck does that mean? Um, And a lot of times I just, I think he very clearly communicates what it does. And so it's like, well, how do I, you know, paraphrase or change that or whatever? So I'm just going to kind of read it straight out. Um, And and it can hopefully help us dig a little bit deeper into the meaning when we get up to, when we look into what Paul says in Corinthians and and even in Timothy uh, and kind of talk about, well, well, what did he mean with that muzzling the ox thing? Because for us, we're like, well, well, that has nothing to do with anything. And well, New Testament, that wouldn't still apply to us. What kind of does. <laughs> um, so here's what, what we got. He says, Muzzling the beast prevents it from eating any of the grain. So this law bans the muzzle to enable the animal to have a share in the food that its labor is making available for human beings. It is as though the gleaning rights of the poor, um, in Deuteronomy 24, 19-22, have been extended to include working animals as well. Um, and I think you can definitely make an argument for a- against animal cruelty here, where you know you're still giving the the beast to enjoy um, some of the fruits of its labor. Um, but uh, Paul is going to actually kind of utilize this picture um, in um, talking about um, how it can still apply to us who might not have an ox or um, land for the ox to to work on. Do you have anything? Uh, I mean, in the Old Testament sense, yeah, there's uh, the idea that you're not uh, abusing that which God gave you as provision. Um, and that 
extends like we've heard some of this stuff about the land itself but that also extends to what's working the land so if you have animals that are working the land like a like a uh, ox, uh, you know, pulling a plow through a field or helping you harvest or whatever happens to be, um, you weren't supposed to just abuse it and then like, you know, work it to death pretty much. You're supposed to take care of it. And like you were saying, if you muzzle it while it's treading out its grain, so while it's doing its harvest, you're basically telling it like, you're not going to eat anything while you work and you're going to work it till it passes out or until it's too tired to carry on. And that's, you know, not, I was going to say kosher. <laughs> um, that's not a good idea because once again, God provided that ox to help you have food. And it's just, I, it, it's, bone? Oh, um, it's, it's not uh, being a good steward of what God gave you. And it's basically uh, being wasteful and uh, uncompassionate. So, mm-hmm. so from the old Testament perspective, um, even if you don't want to take it into Paul's context, which will, I, I saw you flip into the other part of the Bible. Your left side got very thick on the Bible, and the I right know. side got very thin. <laughs> um, but if you look at it on the uh, uh, purely from the Old Testament point of view, uh, it's basically like be a good steward. Don't be wasteful. Don't be like you know a jerk be compassionate yeah absolutely. i mean that, that includes any provision that god has given you so if somebody was to say hey like it, you know maybe in our context here's a free car that doesn't mean you like don't take care of it don't get oil changes don't do tire rotations don't you know get it washed or you know whatever that that's or maybe you just got like a really good deal on a car mm-hmm. or you know or whatever take care of that which god has provided you with and don't just work it to death or destroy it, but be considerate of the blessings that he's given you. Show some, show some gratitude and thankfulness, but also, uh, you know, also think of, ah, I'm getting on a high horse. I was like, you know, think about how someday you might be passing that along or passing that down as well, or using that to provide for other people. Or, you know, maybe you're, uh, you know, you've got a minivan and you've only got two kids and you're going to start taking other kids to school. I'm looking at you, Scott. No, <laughs> um, or maybe, you, you know, whatever happens to be, you've got the means to help other people. So don't just abuse it and destroy right. God's blessing and gifts to you. As we've seen throughout the whole but it's, Yeah, because he addresses that multiple times. I mean, it's, it's kind of a greed factor at that point, you know, like, right. let's go ahead and muzzle the ox so that as much of this can be left as possible. I, I didn't um, think about that part of it. And, and when you go back to, I mean, when you go back to Deuteronomy 24, um, what is it? Multiple times it says, you shall... Um, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget to sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to it. Um, leave it for the sojourner, the, follow, uh, the fatherless, and the widow. And, and so there's when, let's see, what is it? When you gather the grapes in your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. So it kind of goes back to the, that same idea and that same issue. And now kind of bring it, kind of brings it back to the animals that, that actually end up working your field. So... Um, he kind of extends that law into the, to the animals, but it's a greed factor that would ultimately keep someone, I, I think, at times from from getting into that because it's like, well, why would you muzzle the ox so that you can take every little piece that's there? But, right. but the ox is doing a lot of the work. I mean, you know, yeah. they, they should have that same opportunity to, to reap some of the harvest. Um, so, yeah. So what do you got in the... Um, quick note, the new audio equipment does not work. 
<laughs> um, and it had a limit on it that killed us. So I'm switching over to a computer now, and we're going to complete our show, and then I'll mix them together later. So sorry about any hiccups or anything that might come along. Um, and I just will now send back those uh, cables and some of that hardware, and we'll keep doing it on the computer. All right, sounds good. All right. So I think the question that you just asked or was about ready to ask is, so what then does Paul have to say about this idea of um, um, this muzzling your ox? Or how does he end up using this um, in order to... Um, I just brain farted. So anyway, so how is it that... Uh, Hold on, hold, hold on a second. Try and talk now. Okay, so I wasn't <laughs> on there before? Uh, I, you, you are now. Okay. So uh, we've had more Best technical Best episode ever. So with that, um, see, we didn't pray about that before. We prayed about um, uh, our conversation and discussion, but we didn't uh, ask that uh, we had good graces with the, uh, the tech equipment. All right, so are we good? or? Yeah, um... Maybe. Yeah, I'm good. It was uh, unrelated. Okay. So with that, um, I think the question that you had asked um, was this question of, so what does Paul, or how does Paul end up utilizing this Deuteronomy um, passage in order to defend, um, uh, yes, how, how does he use that? So ultimately, if we go to 1 Corinthians um, 9, so we're going to go to 1 Corinthians, and, and ultimately Paul is going to use Deuteronomy in these verses to defend a preacher of the gospel and his ability to be able to go ahead and get paid for his work. Um, Getting paid. So right Sorry, here, I won't do that again. Um, I guess you could possibly do the, you know, kind of put this towards um, how it is that you should utilize your tithe at times when it comes to the church. So... Um, 1 Corinthians 9, 3 through 14. He says, This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and uh, Caiaphas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruits? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does... Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar shall in the sacrificial off- or share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Amen. So what do you think about that? I'm, a, I'm actually a proponent of that being... A- a uh, couple times in life, uh, paid a paid minister of the gospel, and having people think that I was going to use all that to go buy a, a new jet, or that um, for some reasons maybe um, 
because they were not getting paid or whatever happened to be that I did not deserve to be paid. Um, I was always kind of that. Now, Paul, in some cases, willingly uh, said, hey, I don't need your money. I don't need your money. Um, but there were many cases where he did accept it. And there was even sometimes when people sent gifts to him, like while he was in mm-hmm. prison financially to help support him and stuff like that. So yeah, I am actually a proponent of paying those who are ministers of the gospel. It, it is a very tough job. Um, people, we make jokes. I, I have a lot of pastor friends and we make some jokes about them. Like, Oh man, it must be hard working two days a week. You, you know, right. <laughs> but really they, they do a lot. They're, they're on call. They, they're always taking emergency calls. I know our pastor at the church I go to, he's a, also a chaplain for the police department, which is a volunteer position. And they have them come in when it's like the worst case to, you know, counsel families and police officers and stuff like that. So he's seen some of the things that we don't ever want to see with our eyes. And a lot of the, a lot of our hours are, are pretty current hours. You know, you work from this time to this time or you work, you know, these days of the week and and a pastor actually, again, you're right, is kind of on call a lot or almost all the time, and their hours shift, and sometimes it's day, sometimes it's evening, and 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 there's a, a lot of there's a lot that goes into being a pastor just from a time um, standpoint, from um, yeah, from a time, from a flexibility perspective, and and many times even from a pay perspective, where um, sometimes they get paid actually fairly low wages for. Right. Um, the amount of time and work that they put in, and, and most of the t- most of the the good pastors that I know do that joyfully, willingly, and don't necessarily do a lot of complaining for for what they do get. So, um, I know our pastor has not had a pay raise in about three years, and that comes down to uh, people not giving well mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at our church for having a, a church of people that are not. I mean, I shouldn't say they're not giving well. That that's uncharitable of me, but they're not, you know, giving. We we don't make enough to give him more kind right. of thing. Um, so, yeah, there's. I mean, there are pastors out there that get that. Um, I've I've heard a lot of numbers. Uh, one church I was a part of said that you should try and make about the median of what the teacher salary is in your area. Okay. Um, which that's, I think, a fairish way for a smaller church to try and look at. Right. Um, but larger churches a lot of times will say, okay, it's like 1% of whatever comes in. And if you're a large church, that could be a lot of money. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so it all depends. And then, of course, there's like the uh, church planning networks that might pay for new pastors and new churches, like the uh, North American Mission Board. They pay a stipend, 1500 to 2000 a month, I think, depending on what you're doing and where you're going. Okay. Um, which, it, it, that, depending on how many kids you have and what your lifestyle is like, you may have to raise more to, you know, make ends meet. Um, it just depends. But yeah, I, I firmly stand behind paying pastors. Well, I think Paul makes some good points right here. I mean, he says, well, doesn't a soldier get paid for what he does and doesn't a... Um, I think you mentioned some a couple other things as well, where I mean, if if you're working a job, you expect to to get paid, whether that be in food. I mean, back then, I guess sometimes it was food, or sometimes it was 
um, it was part of what you were laboring for. But but ultimately, um, it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, he's ba- making an argument for if you work, you you should get paid, you should get compensated, mm-hmm. um, and then ultimately it comes down to. Um, taking care of the people and making sure they get a fair wage for for the work that they do. Um, and so whatever job you have, um, you work the, um, a certain amount of time and you get paid for um, for the work that you do. Well, a pastor's job um, is that, that very thing. Um, the Levites of the Old Testament, I mean, they relied on Israel to go ahead and take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the priests, you know, same thing. They, they, they relied on the people to take care of them, um, to provide a means so that they could go ahead and live. Um, and, and I think as a pastor, they, they do the same thing. Um, and, and odds are that you're, if you're like, my pastor doesn't have to deal with anything, you're probably the pain in the butt they're dealing with. And you probably <laughs> deserve a raise from that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So how does he use that that ox mentality? Well, um, in part of his his argument, he says, "You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain." So, um, just as an ox um, or your animal deserves to have a share in the food and the, and the labor um, for for what it's doing, well, in the same thing, he's making that argument that that is. As pastors, as 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 um, with Paul and, and and those those guys, I mean, they deserve the exact same thing. They work very hard, um, and should they not get paid for it as well? Um, Paul, I think, is actually very humble here too, because he's like, well, he's like, man, I don't want to be a stumbling block either. Um, so <laughs> if that's the case, then then I'm okay with where I'm at. But you know, it's one of those that that should we not have that same opportunity? Um, um, in First Timothy, he actually reuses that again. Um, it says, let the elders, so this is um, 1 Timothy 5, 17. He says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So he kind of just comes straight out to the point right here in Timothy. Um, he makes a, a, a more, a little bit longer argument in 1 Corinthians, but either way, I think the argument stays the same where um, the laborer deserves his wages and he utilizes Deuteronomy to, to help make that point in that argument. Right. Agreed. Um, so, um, so I guess ultimately it comes down to if God requires such fair treatment for a working animal, then we probably uh-huh. require that same treatment for human beings. For working, who, be, working humans. Right, absolutely. Um, and especially for the sake of the gospel, they're no different. Um, yep. So yeah. we want some New Testament on you. Um, so don't yeah. quit listening just because we want New Testament on take, you. Take that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess now we have Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. Yeah, we can... Why are you throwing stuff at me? Uh, sorry, um, I use my phone. As yeah, and go. Yeah, go ahead and read it. Um, Deuteronomy twenty-five, five through ten. If your brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in to her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. And if the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to uh, perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. 
he will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. And if he persists, saying, I do not wish to take her, then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. And he shall answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. And his name of, in the name of, the uh, and the name of his house shall be called in Israel the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. Now, if your kids are still <laughs> listening, this is the point where you will probably want them to go into the other room um, because this is where things might get a little dicey. We're going to start out slow, mm-hmm. and by the end of it, we'll be blushing. Yes. So last warning, remove your children from the room. Yes. And it might not even be the part you expect. At least it wasn't for me. I was like, yeah, whenever if this I, is going to get, I, I read over that a few times. I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is going to get bad. And then it actually, yeah, well it goes on and then it gets worse. <laughs> yeah. Cause then we get into a hand and that's next. Yeah. So, all right. So would you <laughs> like to start us off then? Um, so what, this is where the blotted out part comes from when, uh, you know, kind of, Jumping down a verse to verse six. Uh, for some reason, that was the first note I made. It says, And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name, uh, succeed to the name of his dead brother, and that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. And that is what I was talking about. That's um, the term is usually used for the divine judgment when God blots a nation out okay. or a line of people out. And Israelites were to avoid. Um, unintentionally or intentionally passing this blind judgment onto others, especially uh, within their family. Mm-hmm. So what he, God is saying here is like, you ain't me. You don't get that choice. Right. So that that's kind of the uh, th- the reasoning behind it. Um, it, it was a, it's another part of being uh, prosperous and for Israel to remain connected and dwelling in that land that they're in. And they're not supposed to just, you know, take it flippantly and be like, you know what? I don't want, I don't want to, uh, carry on my brother's line. Um, because there was a lot of, uh, a lot of work that went with that. He didn't just get like another wife that he could like, you know, add, add to his harem or something like that. It wasn't that kind of setup. What what he was getting was all the responsibility that came with it. So if she had no son yet, he now had somebody that he had to uh, divide out more inheritance to, mm-hmm. not just his his own original children. Um, he had to care for her. He had to feed her, clothe her, make sure that she was provided for. Uh, the wife, you know, any kids that she had, uh, he did not get to keep his brother's inheritance, his brother's finances or anything like that. He had to divvy those out among the children. You know, there's a lot of, it, it wasn't just a, a sexual thing where, hey, I'm going to go and make sure that the line continues. It was a, I'm going to bring somebody to my house that I sort of don't have as many rights to, mm-hmm. and I have to provide in addition to the one I've already chosen or the ones with your family I've already chosen to provide for. So it was a very tough ordeal. And and it was one of those, I mean, most of the time a refusal, it was mostly, well, it was mostly economic. It wasn't even necessarily a personal thing. Um, and usually that, that does come with greed and, and that comes with the responsibility that comes yeah. from it, um, which is why it kind of becomes more of a, a cultural stigma to go ahead and, and refuse to take 
um, to really take on that role that that God says that that He's kind of supposed to. Yeah, that's what the part about um, perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. That's not just a nice, shy way of talking about sexual relations, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people kind of <clears throat> snicker at that and think that that's like, <laughs> yeah, that's what they're talking about. What it really is, it's saying you're going to bring her in, care for her, make sure the inheritance goes correctly, make sure the land gets spread out among the people correctly, make sure that his possessions go to the rightful heirs. It, it was a lot of, it was a lot more work. Right. Well, I mean, in first reading, that's what I thought. Um, and it wasn't oh, yeah, really, same, same way. It wasn't until I got deeper that I was starting to go, Ooh, there's a little bit more to this than I've, uh, that I've, that I thought, or that I get while reading it. I was like, okay. So, so imagine this, this would be considered not shame, but probably hard to swallow. Um, if you had not had a son yet and she had a son first, so your firstborn son gets your brother's name. Right. So, I mean, that that's, in that culture, a very hard thing to swallow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because the firstborn son was was a very important part of, of, of the culture and, and really right. even just of the family um, because he would be, as far as I know, he'd be the one that would ultimately be in charge of the inheritance in the land once uh, you, you moved on. Correct. So, yeah. Yep. Um, it also provided, I mean, this also provided security for the widow. Um, it uh, removed the stigma of not having a born son. Um, it prevented the loss of property of land um, to the wider family. So it, it didn't even just benefit her and also the son, but or the, her and, and the firstborn son, but it actually benefited the family as a whole. Um, because I think from what I understood is if she did not marry, she got to keep the land and that inheritance went with her. Is that correct? Um, well, there's a yeah, there's a lot that was going around in that that I was trying to sort out, and I don't know if you made it any clear or not. But it also came down to if she was somewhat of a black widow. Um, I'm talking about a spider, not like some racial thing. Okay. Um, if she marries the one brother and he dies, and she has his inheritance, his possessions, and stuff like that, marries into the family of the brother, and that brother dies. Now she is once again set to divvy out and provide all of that wealth or finances or property as she kind of sees fit. So she she would once again uh, be the the main stakeholder. And if she were to marry again, so let's say there's no more brothers, mm-hmm. but she was free to marry somebody else, somebody had compassion on her and brought her in, all of those belongings, all of that family name would then go on to her third husband. So things get more and more dicey as it goes on for that family. Like I said, if she's kind of that, if she's like the accursed black widow, you know, all the husbands keep dying sort of thing. Right. But yeah, I don't, I didn't get too much into it. I was trying to wrap my head around the way it was written and that's yeah. the best I can. <laughs> I, I'm not the expert on that part of the law at all. So no. I got nothing on that. So, um, yeah, so I was kind of the same way as, is that's kind of my understanding of it. Um, again, anytime you, anytime you have insight, um, we're always open for for that feedback and yeah if you're if you're a messianic Jew and you've got some great insight on how that worked <clears throat> out we'd love to throw it up on a, a disclaimer or something because again we we never ever have claimed to be experts we literally go through commentaries and do our own study and discuss actually really you are getting an, a live discussion of yeah what we, we've we studied don't discuss throughout the week until we get together yeah. So, and when we say get together, we mean we say hi, welcome to the podcast. You know, that's yeah. kind of when. <laughs> what, what verse are you going to read through today? <laughs> um, yeah, that's about. Usually, we talk about that ahead of time. Obviously, you heard that that today. So, um, 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little bit New Testament um, here. Um, If we go to 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 8. Um, So we're then, uh, again, going back to Paul. And um, I got rid of Timothy. So 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 8. You assassinated Timothy? I did. I did. Um, Okay. So he actually addresses this. It says... um, Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indignant is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. So he very clearly says that it is the job of the relatives um, to take care of their family, and if they not, or if they don't. Um, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a powerful reinforcement of um, this passage in Deuteronomy that, that kind of explains um, kind of the role going on here. But if we want to take that into a current context, we still have that same responsibility mm-hmm. um, to our own family as well. Um, so this doesn't just die here and die with the husband. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to go there. <laughs> no, I think that that this pass that passage in Timothy sometimes gets used to show, um, y- you know, uh, the provider mentality for a husband for his family and stuff like that. But I think it, it, you're right; it's kind of a broader picture mm-hmm. of those around you and stuff like that that are in need of taking care of your family. In a broader sense. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I'd agree. I definitely agree. So so with that, let's get into some of the fun stuff. Um, um, I, well, yeah. Um, I would probably go 11 and 12, and that would be about it. Okay. We're like in the last... Believe it or not, we're in the last few minutes of this rocky podcast. Oh, wow. Well, we kind of... Oh, yeah, oh, no, no, you're right. Okay, so 11 well, and 12. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, do you want to talk about sandals and spitting on people? Well, yeah, we probably should finish that because that's still part of this context that yeah, we're talking I, about. I kind of forgot about yeah. that part of it. So we'll finish we'll finish up this and then we'll call it a Yeah, podcast. should we talk about hands because right. that kind of goes with the feet. Yeah, uh hey, um if your children are still in the room, for get real them this time. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go go uh, Okay, so all I got from my commentary was that this is a euphemism. And quite a common one at that, but he did not go any deeper into it. And I did not think to even pick up Christopher Wright to see what he had to say. Okay. Um, so what do you got, mate? So, let me give you the clean version first. Um, in the international... Shoot, what commentary is this? Um, I just put the IVP commentary, so I'm going to stick with that. Um, the enough. In the IVP commentary... Um, here's the cleaner version. Um, it says, since they walked on the land in sandals, um, the sandals became the movable title to that land. So by removing the sandals of her guardian, um, or, or a guardian, a widow removed his authorization to administer the land of her household. However, um, we also have a different um, version of this, and I'm going to read um, exactly what Christopher Wright said. Wait, pastoral Christopher Wright is the one who brings up the 
the dirty? Yes. Well, he he, he offered multiple things, and he said this is one of the. I don't know how I feel about one this. of the versions, <laughs> and here's what he says: since quote the feet was sometimes a, a, euphemi- a euphemistic way of referring to the male genitals, it has been suggested that the removal of the sandal was a symbolic exposure of the unwilling brother's genitals, an act of gross contempt. If this were the meaning, it would shed light on the immediately following law. Oh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, either way, whichever um, version this is specifically talking about, um, it ultimately comes down to the social disgrace. It was not necessarily a good thing to go before the elders um, and expose your gen. Actually, I don't think it was ever a good thing. <laughs> to a good thing. <laughs> well, it says that... Um how they put it, the brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elder and pull his sandal off his foot. Right. So she will go up to the elders and she will expose him. Right. Is, would be the weird oddball. Absolutely. But but that's euphemistic. But so right. I, I guess it would be part so, of So the, it could be like she'll go up there and basically emasculate him yeah. in some form. So I, I guess it wouldn't be... It'd be symbolic. So not really... Pulling dude's pants down and saying whatever, so, but this is the house of the man who had a sandal pulled off. I mean, that just, uh, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say that'd be slightly embarrassing. Um, yeah, that would be this. I, I would yeah. definitely feel disgraced at that point, right? And then, well, the whole spit in the face part, too, man. That's oh, like, yeah. there's the insult and then there's the injury. Like, mm-hmm. that's just a unique, yeah, it really is. It really is. All right, so then, um. We go on to what? Did you have anything else on that? No, I. Uh, do you want to just do eleven and twelve? Go ahead. Yeah, I think we can squeeze it in. Yeah, because oh, we, mm-hmm. we got to remember we got all of twenty six next week, and we got to kind of keep that as one. So here you're getting our real life. How are we? Well, planning? You, you have the remainder of twenty five, which is yeah. Go ahead and just do, a couple of verses. Yeah. Okay, do do eleven and twelve because it does. Okay, so eleven and twelve when men fight with one another and the wife of the one draws near to rescue her husband from the hand of him who is beating him and puts out her hand and seizes him by the private parts. Then you shall cut off her hand. Your eyes shall have no pity. Woo. All right. So, uh, not appropriate for children either. Yes. Keep them out of the room. You want to explain this one also or explain this one? We talked about this earlier and I could not remember what the verses were off the top of my head. Um, the hand could also be a reference to, uh, or a euphemism towards female genitalia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the parallel of this law um, comes, and I talked about Hammurabi's code mm-hmm. and also some of the Assyrian laws. Um, basically, what she's doing when she grabs the man's genitals is she's somehow hindering his ability to have children. Yeah. So it's not a matter of like she just kicked him in the junk. It's a matter of she did something serious to stop them, whether she cut off, whether she crushed and twisted, you know, whatever makes your, you know, your legs cross and your eyes water Mm -hmm. um, to a greater degree. She hindered that man's ability to have children, which is how this all kind of links together. She essentially could have blotted out that man's line from Israel. Which is what could have happened in the previous verses that we just talked about. Right. Mm -hmm. So what she, what they're saying here is like, it's going back to some of the Old Testament, which we do call this barbaric, 
because by God's grace, we don't live by this anymore. Um, it, this is very much an eye for an eye. So if you are to cut off her hand, it could actually refer to female genital mutilation. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we see some echoes of this in like the Hammurabi Code and the Assyrian laws where if a man is injured in a way that by someone they can't have children, it was usually a death sentence. Um, it, with the Israelite code, it seems to, in a weird way, be mm-hmm. merciful to saving a life, but in the other way, be a very, very uh, violent act. But once again, it's it's an eye for an eye. It's, it's not just repaying a, a kick in the nuts. It's repaying a, that man can't have children yep. sort of thing. And, and I hear there's not a lot of examples of this happening within Israel. Um because I mean, sometimes it looks at this this way of female circumcision, or um, yeah. or, or some something that would impact the denial of sexual relations. Um, so it might not necessarily mean the barbaric ways that other cultures did it, um, but still might be a euphemism in some way to refer to. Um, a denial or, or something within the sexual relation department. Um, I didn't really want to get deep into uh, too many of the details of what, what that would actually look like or, um, you did want to, no, no, did not. Oh, I was like, no, no, we're not that kind of podcast. No, huh? no. <laughs> I, I, I started to get a try and look at it for a basic idea. And I was like, no, we're, nah, we're stopping that's there. not, that's not going to my Google history. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it was, uh, I think it goes to show the seriousness of the preservation of God's people and the laws surrounding it. Um, th- there is a lot of seriousness. Um, we see in the verses prior, if a man shirks his duty, he gets a public humiliation. So if he decides not to uh, marry his brother's widow, he it's a very public humiliation. It's, a, it's very degrading. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody stops or causes a physical uh, problem with procreation, there is a physical retaliation. Right. So there, it's just very important that the line keeps going. Yeah. It, it's not... I, I think a lot of people, these are the types of things that people read in the Old Testament. They don't know that that background, which I didn't really until I read it. I always no. thought it was just, a, oh, it's a patriarchal society. It's a ma- It's a male-driven... Uh, you know, the strong will survive kind of thing, and God knew that, so he put some laws in. But, but it really wasn't. It's really a, like, it's not just a matter of her, like, like I said, doing a, a love tap on the groin and saying, leave my husband alone. It's like a, taking a sledgehammer to his groin and saying, leave my husband alone. Yep. And then her reaping the benefits. That's why there's no... And once again, if we go back to that divine decree that we are not to blot out someone's family... Yep. Um, I forgot I was going to that. Oh, we see that that's why there's no pity on her Mm -hmm. because she basically tried to step in and take the authority of God onto somebody's life where like, you know, yeah, maybe her husband was losing that fight or whatever, but maybe it would have ended. You know how men fight sometimes. We fight and then we're friends afterwards. Absolutely. You know, and that includes physical, Mm -hmm. but watch a hockey game and watch a fight. Sometimes you see those guys laughing at each other and all (laughs) you know, after the fact. So, so, all right. Yeah. So, Uh, do you want to just read 13 through 16? I don't have a, unless you have a lot. I don't, I don't have a lot through 13 and through 16. No, go ahead. We might go five minutes over guys. Yeah. So, but your kids can come back in the room. Yep. And then part of the reason is 26 is kind of, uh, some of the next couple podcasts or chapters, um, the entire chapter kind of goes together and kind of needs to be one podcast. 
Um, so that's kind of why recorded on one machine. Yeah, no. <laughs> and recorded on one machine. Not that I'm better. So verse twenty five or chapter twenty five, verse thirteen through sixteen. Um, <clears throat> You shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small. A full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land that your Lord your God has given you. Um, for all who do such things, all who act dishonestly, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Yay. So he doesn't say a lot of good things about dishonesty here. No, one of the things that I did pull out was that most... Un- so what's going on is, is saying you should not have two weights and you should not have two types of measures is basically like you should not have... Uh, a, a lot of stuff was weighed out, whether it was um, metals or grain or gold or whatever it happens to be. It was often sold and traded by weight. Um, and they would basically have a couple of different types of stones that would be the proper weight of what something could be traded for. So you put them on the scales and try and balance it, and that would be, oh, okay, it's you know, it weighs 50 ounces or whatever, and that's what we're looking for. This is a 50-ounce stone, and all right, we're fair in our payment. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people would have maybe a heavier stone for their when they're weighing out something of theirs, and then maybe a lighter stone for when they're receiving, mm-hmm. so that they're basically paying less or receiving more and the same thing with measures um they would measure wheat by certain uh containers they would measure uh uh, grain etc food or whatever spices all by different containers and to have different containers with different markings on them was basically a way to rip people off according to grisanti most of these ripoffs happened in places where people were you know kind of over a barrel they didn't have the ability to pay for something or uh, you think like uh, payday loans. Mm-hmm. They would basically bring out a new system and say, all right, this is what we're going to do. They rip people off that were in great need. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just a matter of like, hey, Scott, I'm going to sell you this for 50 ounces of gold, which I think is like a billion dollars. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> or, you know, or whatever happens to be, it would be, it would be like, hey, I'm going to, uh, I see you're in need. So I'll give you this, but it's going to cost you 30, you know, ounces of gold or whatever. And then my weight basically makes you pay me 40. So, so once again, you're saying we see protection from exploitation. We see protection from injustice. I mean, if you want to put um, in dishonesty. one coherent sentence, yes. Okay. But if you want to babble like me, <laughs> I, no, yeah, it's exactly right. what you see according to Grisanti. And, and, and he actually know. says, what, what is the, the exact words he uses? He uses, um, uh, la, 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 la. oh shoot. Where is it? That your days may be long in the land that your Lord your God has given you. So he's once again thinking, these guys are going to be entering the the promised land soon. Um, I'm setting up a society where everyone's taken care of, where you don't have dishonesty, um, you don't have injustice, and you see people watching out for each other fairly. Um, And ultimately, we once again see God protecting all people in the community, especially those that are lower and might not normally be protected um, in many of these situations. All right. All right. I think that wraps us up today. So um, we'll sorry f- about the weirdness. We do actually have a couple of verses to finish out. Yeah. Um, but it shouldn't be a big deal. We can throw them in with the next one. Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah, we're already at like over an hour. Okay. So all, all right. right. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And uh, I don't ever want to see November 2018 happen again. <laughs> all, right. all right. Tell your friends about us. Bye. Or something. Bye. Bye.